Hey team, welcome to the first official lockdown podcast. That's exciting. We have got Layla with us this week, who's another one of our coaches and co-owner at Valesco Fitness Collective. We're going to be talking fitness history, food, the obscene amount of oats that Layla eats every morning, um, and kind of everything in between. We've got a couple of shout outs to go through at the end, but for now... Let's get stuck into finding out who is Layla Johns. We're going to start with a two-minute Q&A, warm-up Q&A, as always. So we're going to recycle some of the old Q&As um, that I think we've, me and Ellie, have both personally enjoyed previously. Ellie's with us again this week as well. Ellie, how are you doing this week? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm very well. I'm a little bit cold. We're, uh, we're recording this on the Mez, which is significantly less warm than the office, which is where Leo is currently residing on his beanbag. As always. As always. Okay, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Do you want to take the first one? I can do. I feel like the answer is fairly obvious. Yeah. Cats or dogs? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say dogs for obvious reasons, because nice. um, Leo is my ginger love of my life. <laughs> having said that, prior to having Leo, I would 100% say cats. Really? I've only ever really had cats. Okay. Love nice. a cat. And if, if Leo was okay with a cat, I would 100% get a cat. Do you think he'd be okay with a cat? I don't think he'd be okay. Get a leopard. <laughs> get a cat that's bigger than him. Yeah. Uh, least favourite movement? So, I would have said a salt bike, but having spent three and a half hours on it, I feel like I've made peace with that. So, nice. I'm going to go with overhead squat. How how far was your assault bike? Hundred kilometers. Hundred kilometer assault Sat bike in one place, <laughs> not moving anywhere, no scenery. That is that is a feat. How numb was your ass when you got off the it assault was numb bike? After ten minutes, <laughs> couldn't feel my feet, couldn't feel my bum. Nice. There you go. Forever challenging Layla in a workout. Overhead squat. It is most rewarding movement you've ever learned. I'd probably say bar muscle ups, just because I used to. I've got. Uh, long-standing shoulder issues that I always use chicken wing bar muscle up. So probably the moment that clicked was a great moment. Having said that, double unders. Al, I know you know that I struggled hugely <laughs> with double unders for about six months. The most frustrating movement in the whole entire world. Ellie even got a rope to the face. Black eyes did testament. Didn't mean to throw the rope in her face. She was just <laughs> in the way of me throwing the rope. Um, but yeah, bar muscle ups, probably double unders come close second. Uh, what would you choose if you could only ever use a fork or a spoon? It's got to be a spoon. Okay. How can I eat porridge with a fork? <laughs> I could eat porridge with a fork, but it's thick. Yeah. Spoon. Go spoon. CrossFit dream team. So if you could pick three other athletes, and maybe we'll, we'll include localised athletes as well. If you could pick any three people in the entire world, to enter a four-person team, so one other female and two male athletes. Who are you going to Waterpalooza with? I'd have to pick my best training buddy, Cat. Yeah, nice. Guys-wise, I'd pick. God, who would I pick? It's got to be Matt Fraser, surely. Yeah. Just to put us up there on the podium. Yeah. And maybe Nora Olsen, because I quite like Nora Olsen. And he's got a dog. And he's got a dog. Cool dog. Yeah. So him and Leo, Max and Leo can yeah. hang out. Oh, I should have picked a Welsh rugby player. Does that have to be CrossFit? Uh, no. Lee Halfpenny. Okay. Curveball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
What's your favourite piece of home gym equipment? Home gym equipment? If you could only ever have one thing at home. Could I put a bit of equipment from here to take home? Yeah. Row machine. Okay. Not surprised at that. Really. <laughs> um, and then the final question. If you're, what would you choose if your only mode of transport could be a giraffe or a donkey? Giraffe. Yes! Everyone's 100%. firmly in Camp Giraffe, aren't yes. they? Yes! The giraffes are way cooler than donkeys. Correct. But also, if you've ever seen a baby giraffe being born and then trying to walk, that is Leo. <laughs> so for literally the first year of Leo's life, he looked like a baby giraffe trying to walk. And it still does to a certain degree because he has no control over his nose. And they are very long. That's him. Okay. That's 3-1 to Team Giraffe, isn't it? Yeah, another one to Team Giraffe. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, thanks for that, Leo. Feel nice and warm? Yep. Good. Relaxed. Great. So the first thing, then, I guess we start with is a bit of a two-minute background, maybe non-fitness related in terms of who you are, where you've come from, what you've done. Okay. Non-crossfit related, um, all fitness related. I... Um, from Wales originally, like I'm sure most of you are aware. So I went to school in Wales, um, grew up in Wales till I was about 18. Then I went to uni in Bath and studied geography. So I've got a geography degree, really helpful in my career choices so far. <laughs> um, <laughs> then when I left uh, uni, I worked a bit in recruitment, really hated the salesy kind of part, um, and then worked at uh, Lansdowne control room for the fire service for a while, taking nine and nine calls, and that's how I got my foot in the door for the fire service. Applied all over the country to get into the fire service, and then eventually got into Surrey, um, where I stayed for eight years as a firefighter. Um, while I was there, that's when me, Ellie, and Ames set up Valesco, um, and then luckily gave me the opportunity a year and a half ago to sack that in and do this full time. Nice. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Fitness out of the equation. Cool. Okay. With that in mind then, where did fitness come into play? When did it start? How did it start? Um, so I've always been into fitness since I was a child. So we lived in the countryside and there wasn't a lot else to do rather than run around the garden. Yeah. Um, played a lot of football growing up. So I was captain of the boys football team when I was at primary school. Um, so I played football predominantly, even though my dad tried to drag me to rugby repeatedly because he was a semi-pro player from a very young age but I wasn't having any of it so I played football until I went to secondary school then I wasn't allowed to play because I was a girl and then went to university <laughs> and then I was allowed to play again um, so captained the uni side football in uni um, and then I didn't actually find rugby until a little bit later um, but spent my whole life playing hockey I played hockey at quite high level when I was growing up as well and has have just been interested in just being outdoors, staying fit, being active, just generally running off the excess energy that I had as a child. Nice. So you've touched on rugby a couple of times. Let's talk about how that happened. What's your? At what point did you get into rugby? How did that materialise? How did everything unfold thereafter? So I've always had an interest in rugby just because my dad played at a, a good level. Um, so I always used to go and watch him play. He tried to get me into it, but I didn't fancy it when I was growing up. Um, and then when I was at uni, I think we had like a beautiful football game on a Wednesday and my game was cancelled and the rugby girls were short of a team. So just asked if I wanted to go and play. Went and played and that's it, basically. So when I was about 19 or 20, I think I played my first game of rugby, nice. which is quite late. 
Yeah, um, and where where did it go from there? So from there, I played from a, a couple of small teams, uh, and then really got into it when I joined Bath Ladies. So played rugby at Bath for a little while, um, and then moved over to a couple of Welsh sides. So played for Pontyclean, Clean, um, then played for Cross Keys, and we won the Welsh Premiership over in Wales with Cross Keys. Uh, at the same sort of time, um, I was involved in Went Dragons, so Newport Went Dragons, on a county level. So I played county rugby alongside Premiership rugby um, for about five or six years. Nice. Okay. So, Lady, you're—I mean, you're very modest, anyway, most of the time, about particularly <laughs> about your sporting um, ability. Obviously, I know a fair bit about your history, but do you want to just tell people? Um, how far you actually took rugby and how that sort of came about for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so some of you probably aware, some of you might not be aware, um, but I actually played rugby for Wales. So as I said before, I was involved in the county setup for quite a while. Um, and obviously in Wales, like it probably is in, in England actually, that you get a lot of the same people in the setup of the international team as you do at county level. So, you know, your name gets mentioned, it gets banded about a bit. So, I've probably played for the Dragons for about five to six years. I got a call or email in 2012 just to call me up to start training with the Welsh squad. It was like probably one of the best emails I've ever received and probably <laughs> will ever receive today. Um, and then started training with the Welsh squad. Uh, and then I was set up in with the WU, so Welsh Rugby Union, for a couple of years. Um, I got my first cap in February 2013. So I played away to France um, and then I played away to Scotland and Italy um, and then played at home to England that year. So I've got four caps. Uh, that's how it started. Playing at home to cool. England must have been quite cool. It was. And we were literally like two points up until probably the last 10 minutes and then they bloody won. <laughs> oh, they all as is always the way with England as Wales. always the way. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. So of, you, of those, I guess maybe one of those four is, is your highlight, but what would have been your career highlight from your rugby playing days? I think probably um, career highlight would probably be getting my first cap. So my first cap was away to France. Um, and there is a reason why when men or women, particularly men, France have got an upper hand when they play at home for a very good reason, that their fans are just another level. Like, <laughs> they are so intimidating, they are so loud. So my first ever cap was in front of 8,000 French fans that really didn't want us to win. And <laughs> evidently, we didn't win. Um, but yeah, so in front of 8,000 fans, getting my first cap on a, on a Friday evening in February in 2013 was probably the highlight. Having said that, playing against England at home um, was also a highlight just for the fact that I had all my family there. So my dad traveled to France to support me, but uh, my mum, my sister, my nephews, everybody was there at that home game. So I'll probably say they're both probably highlights. So why did it all, what what moved things along? Why no more rugby? I got old. (laughs) old. (laughs) Um, So I, yeah, I started my rugby career quite late. Um, so I got capped. God, how long that? That's quite a long time ago. Capped when I was 29, so is that's old. So when I was playing, there were people that were like a decade younger than me, complaining that their body couldn't take it. And I'm like, come on, guys! I'm like 10 years older. Than you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just got to a point where 
it's it's incredibly intense um as well as obviously your premiership games county games you've got training camps you're going hard against each other because you want to get that place um and i just get i eventually just got injury after injury um i hit 30 i didn't i felt like my body wasn't healing the way it should normally i'd play a game and instead of it taking a couple of days to recover it take me a couple of weeks um and unfortunately i just got hit by a few injuries after the 2013 six nations it just meant that um i wasn't getting selected in the squad they wanted me to play sevens i wasn't up for playing sevens because i'm all about the contact but um yeah, I just I just took a choice to step away from rugby altogether in 2014 for the reason that I was getting injured, I wasn't getting picked, um, and my life was in Surrey at that time, so I was having to travel from Surrey to Cardiff, and it just felt like I was giving up a lot of my life for not a great deal of reward, really. Yeah. So it kind of felt. Okay. What 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 came instantly after that? Obviously, I imagine that left quite a quite a fitness hole in your life for for. Yeah, so I cried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, rugby had been part of my life for a very long period of time, particularly playing at a high level. So when you play at a high level, particularly for women, when you have to have a full time job alongside that, you literally have to give up your life. So you have to go to training camps, you have to go training in the week, you have to still hold down a full time job. I was holding a full-time job down in Surrey, and then I'd have to travel straight from a night shift all the way over to the Vale in Cardiff, and then try and give it my best for a whole weekend against all the other people that were trying to get the shirt. Um, yeah, so it's just that's a lot. And is that while you were while you were still a firefighter? Yeah, so still firefighting. Yeah, yeah, those are some long days. Um, okay, so I guess we fast forward a little bit to the way you train now. Your fitness history, I guess, is quite predominantly based in amongst team sport, football, hockey, rugby. Talk to me a little bit about how you see the difference in, in team sport and, and I guess training on your own, you know, the things that you miss from team environments, the, the reason that they, they can be a really good thing. So I think there's nothing better particularly growing up as a, a younger person and being involved in a team sport, I think it shows you so many amazing things. How to work as a team, having someone there to back you up, it shows you discipline, respect, um, healthy competition. I think being involved in a team is literally one of the best things that you could possibly do. Um, I've always wanted to be part of a team. I've never, ever done anything where I've been solo. Um, that doesn't appeal to me. As actually, a, believe it or not, um, really shy as a kid, and I'm still Aww. a little bit shy. <laughs> Um, so I don't want to do anything on my own. I don't, I don't find it, it, you know, it doesn't appeal to me being going out there on my own and trying to prove it to myself. I'd, I'd much rather be in that kind of team environment, which is why I was always involved in football. And particularly, I don't think you can get much more of a team sport than rugby. Having someone literally on your back, knowing they literally will put their body on the line for you. I don't think there's any other sport that will ever come close to that for me. So, I mean, clearly rugby was always going to leave a huge gap in your life and having always been involved in a team sport rather than something solo and then obviously knowing that you were always going to want to stay fit and healthy and, and train in, in some form what or how did you seek out or find CrossFit the way that you train now and and kind of see that that might in some way support that team training as well as training solo like what was it that drew you to to this particular sport 
Uh, so when I stopped playing rugby, I had obviously a huge and still have a huge rugby shaped hole in my heart. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I need, I couldn't have just gone from playing at a competitive level or just playing sport in general and then just completely stopping. Um, I chose to step away from rugby completely um, for a number of reasons. But then you actually, Ellie Buck, um, hey, <laughs> told me to try CrossFit. Um, so I, I tried CrossFit. Um, ironically, I wasn't allowed to do CrossFit when I was in the Welsh rugby squad because it was too dangerous and it was plagued with injuries. Having said that, I've never been healthier and stronger than I have since I've done it. So actually, if I'd done it when I was playing rugby, I wouldn't have had so many injuries. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it was introduced to CrossFit. Um, I really wanted something to do, not necessarily specifically as kind of a team sport or even like a, a ball sport like football or rugby, but where you could still compete. Um, and that's what really drew me into CrossFit is the fact that you can still compete at it. There are, there are teams and obviously competitions that you can do and not just as an individual, as a team, although some obviously teams, it is still much a very much an individual um, kind of aspect to it, but you are still in a team. Um, and that really appealed to me to be able to, I'm super competitive, so to be able to carry that through into something that keeps you fit and healthy and moving well, but to also be able to compete at that is what drew me into it. I remember, in fact, I remember, do you remember the first time you came to CrossFit with me? Yeah. And for those of you who have seen people doing ring muscle-ups, know that they are the holy grail of what we do. Um, and Layla turned around to me and she went, oh, how, how do you do do one of those? And at the point time, I couldn't actually even do a pull-up. Um, so I said, well, I'm not really sure, um, but I think if you watch someone, you might be able to learn how to do it fairly quickly, at which point Layla Johns decided to take hold of the rings, pull hard, and somehow managed to do a strict ring muscle-up and end up on top without even really trying. <laughs> Still can do double enders, though, could I? Never Six months. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, what sort of role? Obviously, you you move away from rugby. You discover CrossFit. You, you like the merge of being able to stay fit and almost compete at staying fit. What? How important is that to you now? Obviously, we fast forward a little bit of time. You're still training heavily and and super regularly. Why? Um, so it keeps me sane. <laughs> um, so I've got that mentality where I like to train. I enjoy, I'm one of the lucky people that actually enjoys fitness. So I like, you know, I like being out of breath. I like testing myself. Um, I, I do it now for very different reasons to when I used to. So when I used to play at a high level, I used to put myself under an incredible amount of pressure. So um, I was always competing against somebody else, always had to try and be better than them. I used to do a lot of training on my own. I used to be able to push myself to the point of nearly being sick without anybody around me. Um, but I was doing that for a reason. Whereas now I've taken a little bit of a step back and I don't have that pressure of uh, trying to be the best at something. Although I, I still have an individual pressure, I put myself to be the best that I can be. Um, I had a bit of a reality check as well, obviously in 2015 when my mum got diagnosed with neurone disease. So uh, that was like a, a world changing event for me. Um, and it just made me kind of reassess what I was doing it for. So I, at that point was training twice a day. So I was spending about three and a half hours a day training. And I kind of felt like, oh God, if, you know, if, if my world was to end tomorrow, what have I actually done with my life? 
Um, and I wanted to be able to balance better training, but also living. Um, so I dialed back a little bit. I, I chose then to put less pressure on myself. Um, so I do it now more to still be as fit as I can be, still be as strong as I can be, um, to be mentally healthy. So it's what I do for my escape. Um, but also with a fine balance to actually live in a little. And I don't put, I choose now not to put as much pressure on myself. And if someone beats me, they beat me. And hats off to them. That's great. If I, that happened 10 years ago, I would literally probably would have stopped at the door. But. Or, thrown a rope. or thrown a rope in someone's face. But not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chilled. Nice. Yeah, I, you know, fitness and, and especially competitive fitness can be quite consuming. Um, so thanks for you know, thanks for sharing. That's really really interesting insight. Um, how how do you stay motivated? You know, as, as we're moving into um, we're we're in we're in lockdown two point right now. It's the, the mornings are darker, the evenings are darker. It's a little bit colder. What we know why you do it. How do you do it? What how do you kind of challenge yourself how do you keep keep yourself working out how do you hold yourself to account what helps you um i think it's super important to have structure i think it's super important to still remember why you're doing it and why you would come in the gym normally to then still keep doing that even though we're in lockdown so i think you just need to treat it like any sort of you know spanner that's thrown in the works when it comes to training so I've been plagued with injuries I've had times where my arm was in a right angle bandage for three months and I couldn't do anything and you you just have to use these opportunities to to work on your weaknesses to do something different to get outdoors or to get fresh air so at the moment um am I training like I'd want to be training no am I training with people no um which I'm sad about but it means that I can focus on doing more body weight stuff, um, letting my body recover a little bit over the next few weeks, getting out on my bike, going out walking, getting some fresh air, some things that I probably would have set aside to come down the gym normally. I can do those sorts of things. Um, and just just knowing that obviously we will come out the other end of this at some point. Um, so just to keep on track and to not lose sight of why why you do, you do it in the first place. Um, and I don't think that should stop, no matter your circumstances, because there's always something that you can do. Um, but that might be slightly different to what you would normally choose to do. But Nice. Yeah, seeing it as a positive, you know, for anyone that's listened to any of our previous podcasts, how you choose to view things is is the majority of the battle. You know, if you're stuck in traffic, choosing to view that as extra time to learn things from a podcast as opposed to it being a frustrating experience, you know, the same, same absolutely applies for training. You mentioned earlier on during the Q&A, your training partner, Kat. How does having a training partner help with the with the accountability you know there's i've heard before people use having a training partner as a means of you know if you commit to going for a run with your training partner at 6am the following day great it's actual tangible accountability because you don't want to leave them waiting for you how does with a history of team sport that with the importance of having just someone else to train with oh 100% i think it's hugely important i don't think it necessarily matters who that person is i think like you said it holds you accountable um just to have that person and I think we all do we all do CrossFit for obviously the health gains and strength gains but we also do it because we like people and mm. you know we like to be around people and I think that's super important I'm lucky that I've obviously cats one of the best training partners I think I've had um she's as mental as I am I continue yeah. to try and be as strong as she is um 
which is an onwards battle. She's younger than I am, so I'm going to put it down to the fact that I'm six years older than her, why I'm not quite as strong. <laughs> um, yeah. And she also comes from a, a background of competing at a high level as well, so I think we're mentally, we're kind of on the same page. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've ever had a, a training partner that pushes me quite as much as she probably has done. And I'd like to think that she probably feels the same way, that you know we push each other. And ultimately, that makes both of us better athletes um, as, as anything would if you're if you're pushing against someone else not against you just against yourself because we all know that if we just do it on our own we can shave 10 seconds off or we can go a little bit slower but yeah. if you've got that person that you're trying to beat or just trying to be as good as when you look up to then that's that's only going to make you a better athlete um and it's only going to make you work a bit harder nice yeah the amount, the amount of times the phrase i probably wouldn't have worked that hard if i hadn't been training with you has left my mouth for you know, after training with an array of different people is, is countless. Cool. Okay. So I want to move on to something that I'm sure you're super passionate about, uh, food and eating. Mm, yum. You, you train, you, you know, you said cats as mental as you are. And in terms of, you know, people in, in Valesco, at least that I would consider mental when it comes to training, anybody that's seen you train will probably agree with me. You, you push pretty hard. You're, you're super consistent. I know 60 to 70% of your sessions are arms, but still, nonetheless, you're, you're here, nonetheless. Um, I imagine you probably need to fuel that level of output pretty heavily. Let's, let's yeah. talk food. I've probably got about 100 grams of porridge in each bicep, if that's what you're asking me. <laughs> basically, I'm asking, like, how do I eat to get arms like yours, is what I'm asking. Porridge, all the porridge. <laughs> so yeah, I, the, the level of fuel that you're going to need, I'm, I'm assuming, is, is probably fairly high. A, importance of food for you. B, what's, what's kind of a, a food day look like? So food is obviously really important. I used to struggle a bit when I was playing high level. Ellie, again, you can, you can be vouched for this. When I used to play rugby, I used to really struggle to eat enough calories, like hugely. I used to be a massive calorie deficit. So I used to... You is know, that because you were training so much so or because you didn't yeah, eat so yeah. enough? Okay. And also I probably didn't know because I was a bit younger. I didn't really know that much about fueling well. Okay. Um, but I used to eat... Nearly every other day. You know those boxes of flapjacks you get from like Sainsbury's, the little squares? Yeah, the, like, the little I plastic tubs. I a whole one of those every other day. There's 1,500 <laughs> calories in that. What else did you also eat on a daily basis that you would go out searching for in the middle Mars of the night? Yes. Mars bars. Oh, <laughs> love a Mars bar. Anyway, so that was when I used to eat badly. Fast forward a little bit of time. I was going to say, footnote for the podcast, <laughs> flapjacks and Mars bars is the WRU official diet. If you want to get shoulders like me, <laughs> flapjacks and Mars bars. Um on a serious note uh so now um i i just choose to eat well i don't limit anything i don't stop myself from eating anything um i try and eat as healthily as i can again i used to be on on more of a stricter eating plan um but then got a little bit neurotic about it um and then would weigh everything and count all the calories of everything and i don't think that's necessarily a sustainable way to be although it, it can be obviously super helpful to know what track a little bit what you're eating um so i just choose to eat as you all well know i have a vat of porridge every morning do you want to just run people through what is in your vat of porridge so my vat of porridge is 100 grams of oats strong <laughs> and quite a quantity of honey and then my finished product <laughs> is i think it's 500 grams of porridge the milky honeyness which is just amazing best start of the day Sounds so that that sets me up um for my day ahead and then um 
normally lunchtime, I normally have some rice and or pasta with some chicken, kale, salad, something along those lines. Snack-wise, I kind of have just bananas, fruits, maybe a protein bar. And then I'm quite lucky that my partner Lucy eats really, really healthily. So there's never any temptation when I get home to eat crap or processed food. So we normally always have rice, veg, chicken, salmon, something healthy, just just healthy whole foods that you cook yourself. They're not bought, they're not processed. Um, but I don't, I eat when I'm hungry. I don't necessarily track how much I eat. I kind of, over the years, I've kind of managed to gauge what I need, what I don't need. Yeah to kind of get a good idea of how many calories I should be eating, but I don't necessarily track incessantly. I just eat healthily. So you're three meals a day? Three meals a day with a bit of snack. In nice. Do you know roughly where your calorie intake sits in a day? My calorie intake is probably about 2,400 calories a day. Okay. Strong. How much does that change if there's Toblerone in the house? <laughs> I probably go up to 3,400 calories a day. <laughs> no, it's a bonus 1,000 calories a day. Which is why Toblerone isn't allowed in my house. You... We've touched on this in a couple of different ways. We've talked about it from a training partner aspect and we've talked about it from a food environment, you know, not having unhealthy foods in the house, having a training partner around, you know, the environment plays a, a, a significant part. And I know, you know, we talked to Amy about this when we were talking about her history with food. What environmental changes can you kind of pick out, maybe just one or two that have helped you be as kind of, accountable for your fitness as you are now you know be that where you spend your time you know little changes like not having unhealthy foods in the house you know is there any that you consider maybe more important than others if we've got people listening that are trying to make some environmental changes to help them become fitter and eat a little better i think having some sort of idea if you go down the food route so have some sort of idea of what calorie intake you should be having so if that is to follow a some sort of um, nutrition plan just for a couple of weeks just to get some sort of understanding of what you're eating maybe track for a week just so you are aware of what you're eating so i think a lot we're all we're all uh go through some days with snacking and we don't actually then recollect actually what we've eaten and you've got to think really hard oh actually i did have a snack there and um, so just tracking what you do eat just so you've got some sort of idea not having unhealthy snacks in the house so just being mindful of what you buy when you go to Sainsbury's or wherever you go shopping. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. That's like the worst idea ever because <laughs> yeah. you will end up with 10 Toblerones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surround yourself with, uh, surround, try and surround yourself with positive people. Try and surround yourself with people who you aspire to be like um, for whatever reason that might be. Um, fitness, health, you know, career-wise. Um, and just just choose to take control. I think everybody is, is probably a little bit guilty of blaming outside sources when it comes to not doing something or doing, eating badly or not exercising. Take a bit of control back, I think, and just choose to be organized when it comes to food prep um, and the same when it comes to your fitness. Dream. All right. Thanks, Elle. I guess let, maybe let's my, – my last question for you then is, is there anything at the moment that you're seeking to change or that you're struggling with or that you're trying to – to develop? Um, I'm trying to develop um, better organization when it comes to food, personally. So um, 
I'm quite lucky where I've got a really supportive partner who does a lot of the cooking. Um, and as you all might be aware, she's also pregnant um, and we're expecting our little one in March. So yeah. at that point, I would like to become more helpful when it comes to cooking. So nice. I am using this time in lockdown to be a bit more experimental when it comes to cooking, just being a little bit more organized, you know, just going shopping on a weekend and getting everything prepped on Sunday for the following week. Because I have been guilty of... Um, just grabbing stuff on the day, you mm. know, from MS or whatever. Um, and then obviously then you don't choose the best health choices. Um, so just being a little bit more organized with my eating um, and trying to, going forward, uh, the next four weeks is obviously slightly different for obvious reasons, um, but having, trying to have a little bit more of a work-life balance. Um, I think everyone probably is aware that me, Ellie and Amy put a lot into the business and it's not just a nine to five job. Yeah. Um, and I think, Many people's jobs have probably crept outside those working hours due to lockdown. So obviously people that are working from home, I don't think anybody then now sits down and does eight till five, you know, creeps on into the evening. People are on their laptops a little bit longer. Um, and it's just, I think, not letting that go too far and, and kind of, again, taking control back. Of, I know actually I'm going to spend two hours away from social media or I'm going to turn my WhatsApp messages off for two hours just to have that downtime. I think that's quite important. And I think lockdown has been a real weird one for a lot of people and I think a lot of people's work has probably crept into their work life balance a little bit more than probably most people would want. Yeah that's two really nice shares and, and actually that's a really good point to maybe just touch on briefly there's definitely a, a bigger blur with work-life balance for a lot of people at the moment and I think still being confident to define your work day I think is something that a lot of people could probably try and aim for or try and aspire towards maybe a little bit more than they are so i think you know if, if i was an employer and i had you know i was messaging somebody outside of what i would consider working hours and i didn't get a response because that person kind of decided to come back and say do you know what to to, to improve my work-life balance and to create a, a greater level of separation between when i'm at work and when i'm at home now those th two things physically merged I'm still going to do a nine till five or a nine till six and outside of those hours doing things like just putting your phone on to do not disturb for a couple of hours or just maybe even putting your phone in a different room. No employer or no business partner that cares for you and your well-being is going to push back on that. I think having the confidence to, to try and actively define those two areas of life might be something just to give some thought to. It's something that I'm struggling with a little bit at the moment with with a couple of different things that are going on i find myself working way beyond my kind of usual or, or my historic kind of end of day into evenings on days off i'm you know, having conversations that i probably wouldn't otherwise be having so i think it's probably a fair challenge to us all and something to give a little bit of thought to um Layla, thank you so much for sharing i've really enjoyed it i've learned a lot of things that i didn't know um, thank you for sharing some of the more vulnerable, vulnerable things as well. Um, Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. Um, I think we're going to finish with a couple of shout outs for a couple of different members, a couple of different people. So I'm going to start with a shout out for Barbara. Um, and this is technically on behalf of one of our other coaches, Jono, who let us all know with supporting video that Barbara managed to kick up into her first handstand um, against a wall in over about 40 years, the week before we closed our doors, yeah. Well done, Bob. Which is super Legend. cool. Uh, I know she was pretty chuffed and the, the video was really, really cool as well. So on behalf of 
Jono and all the other coaches. Nice work, Babs. And thank you for taking our plants from the gym to look after on lockdown. And doing our washing. Leg- yeah. Legend. Also doing the washing <laughs> and taking care of all of the plants. I didn't wonder why it looked so bare, actually. <laughs> now it's... going to start calling her Mama Barb. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Fiona Lambert. Um, last lockdown, she was epic with her dancing, singing videos, um, and she promised us a few that have already been um, coming through on Instagram. So I just want to shout out to Fee and keep up the great singing and dancing, please. Please, <clears throat> please. If you haven't already seen it as well, following on from that, the, the really sad thing about this is I think it's on Ella's story, so it's going to disappear very soon. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to reach out to her directly because I'm sure she'll have the video saved. If you haven't seen Ella's video of her um, basically in a in a sausage costume dripping ketchup over herself, it, I mean, it, it sounds sounds a little bit kind of borderline as I'm talking about it out loud, but <laughs> <laughs> reach, <laughs> reach out to Ella and ask her for the sausage video. Because it's it Ella Rothwell. Yeah, Ella okay. Rothwell. Um, she's on Instagram as Rothwell. It was, it was, yeah, it, it definitely made me laugh aloud for a long period of also, time. Also, can you let us know why <laughs> you've got a sausage outfit? Yeah, we're, we're also curious as to why, why that's in your house. Um, and Ellie's literally sat there watching it as we speak, which is why you might be able to hear I'm her giggling. I'm trying to figure out whether I can save it and then post it in the Facebook group. <laughs> Sorry, Ella, if I manage to figure it out. If we can find a way, we will. Cool. And that is that. That brings us to the end of our latest episode and our first ever lockdown episode as always thank you all for listening we are significantly above 1000 listens now that milestone is a thing of the past so thank you all for engaging with us if you are one of our members that is listening hello thank you stay strong keep with us on zoom um we appreciate all the messages that you guys have sent through if you are not one of our members, and this this category seems to be increasingly growing, then hi, and thank you for listening. I know there was a couple of teams that scale it up. Our um, competition that we ran last weekend that mentioned the podcast, um, there's a growing number of people in work with me and fra- uh, family, friends of family, etc., that are mentioning the podcast. So hey to you all. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe so that you get a notification every time we release a new podcast. If you can rate us, rate us. If not, cool, but do what you can to support. And yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Ellie, thank you. Thank you. Layla, again, thank you so much. Thank you. And we will see you all soon. Have a lovely day. <laughs>